0: Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heaven Bound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road.
1: Well, this past week, Jason uh, had the opportunity and the honor, it's always an honor to preach, and he preached this Sunday morning about the name of God and took us through the Old Testament, looking at several different names of God. Uh, It's kind of a little lesson, side lesson in uh, Hebrew and Greek and English, and it's important to do that because in our English Bibles, we see the name Lord, we see the name God, and we think it's the same word everywhere, but it's not. And the name of God is so important. Uh, It's a reflection of God himself, uh, one of your passages was Psalms chapter 8, verse 1. Oh Lord, how majestic is your name. And even within the Ten Commandments, God had laid out the, how sacred and special his name was and that they were not to take the name of the Lord in vain. And so in this lesson, we're really looking at uh, not just different words that tell us God's name, but they describe God. Uh, God has a lot of layers and is very complex. And it's very easy for us just to paint with a broad brush that God is God and Lord is Lord and not to see all these different layers that reveal different attributes and characteristics. And that is is just a needful, needful lesson. Sometimes we look at some of these words and they're hard to pronounce. And uh, I'm glad you did that. I would have stumbled a lot. Um, but. But you did a great job at that, and, and it's on our website. But let's let's first of all walk through this, and then from this, let's let's talk about some things here.
0: Yeah, I appreciated the opportunity. I, I tried to make it as understandable as I could. Really, it it has roots in our focal point for the year, bringing the best. We've got a couple of really key verses that we've spent a good amount of January talking about, um, living servings sacrificing for the sake of God's name, doing all to the glory of God. Uh, There are multiple New Testament passages that tell us what to do and how to do it, but they also emphasize doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we've talked a little about first of all what it means to do something for the sake of someone else's name. Uh, but it struck me here a, a week or so ago, maybe it would be good just to talk a little bit about the names of God themselves and as you've brought up names by his design carry significance, right? And that is most certainly true when it comes to the way that he has Revealed Himself on page one of the Bible. It's Elohim, uh, a a plural designation for God, speaking uh, of Him as the Creator and Preserver of all things. We talked about El Elyon in Genesis fourteen. God Most High. He's described even in verse twenty-two as the Possessor of Heaven and Earth. Uh, He is in Genesis sixteen. El Ruai, the God who sees, or Hagar says, uh, he is the one who looks after me. Uh, What a precious description. In Genesis 17, he's El Shaddai, God Almighty. In Genesis 21, El Olam, the everlasting God. In Deuteronomy 10, El Adonai, the Lord of all the earth, or in Exodus 3, and of course, this is the most prominent name mentioned more than 6,500 times in our Old Testament, Yahweh, and God himself gives us the definition of that, I am who I am, as he talks to Moses at the burning bush. Then after that, there are all sorts of spin-offs of that, Yahweh Yireh, the the Lord will provide, or Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies you, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord your healer, Yahweh Nissi, the Lord is my banner, Yahweh Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd, and and Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace. And so all of those, (laughs) obviously you can tell by Uh, giving voice to those names. We're not talking or speaking in English. We're speaking a a different language there, transliterating a a different language. But these are the words, the, the descriptions that the descendants of Abraham would use to describe this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who had made such precious promises to his people.
1: Now, you know, our view of worship and even our view of life is is based upon how we see God. Yeah. And so, and so when we look at all these different terms, this is God trying to tell us who he is. And and one of the first things that that I think a person would ask just kind of 32,000 foot view is, why are there so many different words? To
0: describe God. Yeah. And what would we say to that? Well, if someone were to come up and ask me, who, who are you? What, what's your name? Who are you? What do you do? Tell me about yourself. There are lots of ways that I could answer that, right? I I could say I'm Jason, Jason Harden. That that's my surname. That tells you just a little bit about my family. I could introduce myself as the son of Steve and Donna. I could introduce myself as the husband of Shelley, the father of Chloe, Jaden, and Emma. The co-worker with Roger Shouse. I live in southern Indiana. You know, each one of those is different but kind of like the facet of a jewel as you turn it. Each one of those little facets tells you a little bit more about me. And so, you don't have to be deity for that to be true. We could go on and on and, I mean, (laughs) there are people, Roger, who refer to you as Mr. Jumpstart. Well, that Tells you something a little bit about how you spend a lot of your time and energy, right? Right. Right. And, you know, uh, you're a man,
1: you're a citizen, you're Mm -hmm. a father, you're a husband. I mean, uh, you're a disciple. You know, those layers have different tangents. Right. And so when you talk about your relationship with God, you're a disciple of Jesus. You talk about, you know, do you belong to this country? You're a citizen. And, and so, so when we come to God, it, it's the same thing. And each of these different words, these different terms shows us just different aspects of them. And there's just a lot more than just what was listed no here. Doubt. And, and, and it shows us the power of God. It shows us his compassion. It shows us how involved he is with creation. Uh, he did not just start this place and, and go off somewhere else. He's intimately involved with our lives, intimately involved with what's going on here. He he has a plan, and that just kind of trickles down through all of these words here as we see this. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the Hebrew language. Uh, how's that? What's unique about the Hebrew language?
0: Yeah, well, I am not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I know just enough to get myself in deep water. But uh, um, uh, it is a Semitic language like Arabic and uh, a, a variety of other languages from that part of the world, right? It has roots in a different part of the world than Germanic languages that, obviously, Obviously, we're we're talking German, French, English, things like that. They sound different. They're written different. Well, a lot of that has to do with where they originated, right? And so as we look, for instance, at the Hebrew alphabet, it doesn't look like our alphabet. There are uh, different characters to represent the various letters of the alphabet. It is read or written from right to left and not Left to right, the way that we are used to experiencing. If you look at an ancient uh, manuscript, Roger, you've got a, a copy of an ancient Hebrew manuscript that we have hung here in the foyer at the church building, and just immediately it looks different. We don't see um, commas and apostrophes and colons and things like that. And so it is a very different experience, but a much older language than the language that we speak. And of course, it is the language in which the vast majority of the Old Testament is written.
1: Yeah. And, and my understanding is in the early, early language, it had no vowels, Right. And so when we get to words like Yahweh, instead of spending a Y-A-H-W-E-H, it would right. have been Y-H-W-H right. and uh, been hard to pronounce. Uh, we need our vows, and so and so that that is something different. Now, as you look at the language as, as a body, not so much the individual letters or which direction it's read from. How, how is Hebrew or even Greek, for a lot of that reason?
0: different than the english language yeah well i you did a very good job in your closing remarks actually you closed our assembly and you brought out i thought a very 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 good note about context driven languages Uh, why don't you go ahead and share that and and we can if our listeners are following along why don't they meet us here in a few minutes in the gospel of john chapter 21
1: sure so so now, the hebrew and big part of the greek language they had unique or special words uh for what they meant now in the english language as i said it, it is a context driven so a guy will say i love my dog i love chocolate i love my wife all right now they're not the same okay the context determines that. Yeah, he likes his dog. He really likes chocolate, but he married his wife. And so he may use the love into all those. A lot of country songs will talk about that. I love my truck and I love this. Okay. Well, if, it, if the word is universally the same, that guy's going to be sleeping in this truck quite a bit. Okay. So, so we understand the context determines that. Now, when we look at these Hebrew or Greek words, they would have a different word. And instead of saying, okay, it's the context that determines what love means. Loving my truck, loving my wife are not equal. Our English context determines that. In these early languages they would have unique words. And that takes us to book of job.
0: Yeah. The, the word love is a great example. Our listeners very well may have heard that there are various Greek words that we have translated all as one word love, right? We think first uh, Corinthians chapter 13, that great chapter all about love. And we've just got love, love, love written all over the place. But Greek speakers had different words to describe different types or degrees of love, and you even get a sense of this at the some of the closing scenes of John's gospel after, of course, Peter had denied three times that he even knew who Jesus was. The resurrected Jesus meets Peter and other apostles up on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus miraculously provides breakfast. Uh, Verse 15 of that chapter tells us when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, we're not going to turn this into a Greek class, but what is interesting is you heard as I read that in our English translations, just love over and over and over again. If we were reading in the language that John wrote, we would see different words that we have all translated into the one word love. Right. So so. G,
1: when Jesus first asked him, do you love me? He's using the word agape, which is the highest form. God so loved the world. It's one directional. It's not based on how you treat me. It's just, it's just the way it's supposed to be, how God loves us. Peter replies with the word philo or philio, where we get the word Philadelphia, you are my friend. Now, and if we were writing this originally from the English language, we we would probably understand the context would tell that. But when we just look at that word love, it it seems the same. It seems like they're they're just repeating each other, but there's different words, right? And that brings that all out. And so so we, so that's why a study like this, a sermon like this, is so helpful for us, because when we read in our Old Testaments, God and Lord, we, we just see one one same word, and we think it's all the same. But we realize these different layers and how important it is of revealing God to us in different ways, His power, His strength, His everlasting love, His compassion, and those things are very, very important to us as we think about that.
0: Yeah. I, I really hope that by spending a little bit of time looking at that, number one, we have more of a sense of why the Psalmist says in one, Psalm 111, Holy and awesome is your name. I mean, you, you cannot read through that list. Uh, if you are a believer and your heart is where it needs to be and not be impressed by how awesome some of these names are. But also what I, I really hope came through is these names call for something from us, right? And, and that really gets to the heartbeat of our theme for the year. We uh, have emphasized, Roger, you have emphasized many times already this year, God is the best. That's why we bring the best. And, I hope by looking at these names, well, God clearly is better than any Pharaoh, any ruler in Babylon, any Caesar, any king, any queen, any president. He is higher, holier, more awesome than any human being. But that compels us, or at least it ought to compel us now to bring our best to him.
1: Yeah, and... and. An aspect that's so important to see is you can't separate the name of God from God. The name is who he is. And, you know, there may be several, I know there are, there are several Rogers walking on this planet right now. (laughs) I'm I'm not that unique in that way. But there's only one Lord. There's only one God. And these words reflect who he is, and that, that's essential for us to see. A couple of passages you, you mentioned in this lesson, and I want to just kind of pull out some other thoughts on this. You, you took us to Genesis 14 and verse 22, yeah. where God possesses heaven and earth. And, and I think a lot of our listeners will understand heaven. You know, the Lord said, Our Father, who art in heaven? And we think that's where God is. But in what way does he
0: possess earth. Yeah. Well, I in the New Testament we read that everything was created through him and for him. And so we hear in the Psalms that the cattle on a thousand hills are His, we read that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool on more than one occasion in the prophets. And what all of that emphasizes is, okay, not only is he the creator of everything, uh, the preserver of everything, but he is the sovereign over everything. Just like, you know, you can go and you can visit all sorts of places in England and talk with various farmers, various merchants, and you talk long enough, and eventually it's going to get to, well, all of us here have a sovereign, a king, right? Even in ancient times, I mean, a a farmer could say, well, this is my farm, but in a very real sense, it belonged to the king, right? How much more the king of all the earth. And and where this gets really, really personal is if heaven is his and the earth is his and all that fills the earth is his, I am no exception. And I am his as well. Absolutely. You know, we have that hymn, this is my father's
1: world. Yeah. And, and in the gospels, Jesus would say that God causes his son, S-U-N, yeah. the, the bright little things you see in the sky, he causes his sun to shine upon the righteous and the unrighteous. It, it, is, it belongs to God. It is his sun and his planet and his earth. So he is the possessor. And if he was to remove himself from this, we would not exist because we need all that he is to keep us here. Another thought, uh, from Genesis chapter, or excuse me, Exodus chapter three. So when God declares, I am who I am. Right. Let's first of all, talk about that phrase. That seems like he's repeating. What, what does it mean? I am who I am. Well, you know, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, that
0: seems, what, what does that mean? We can spend the rest of our lives, I think, turning that over in our, our minds, but it is a way, I believe, of emphasizing omni-everything. He has always been. He didn't have a beginning. He is. He is everywhere. He knows everything. He is all-powerful. He always will be. I Think of time like a river, and it is constantly flowing, but he is the rock that does not move. He is and everything was designed to flow around him. And that's, that's just beyond us, okay? <laughs> Amen. beyond us.
1: I was watching a show the other day about some uh, rock and roll singer in the 60s, and uh, he's still alive, but he sure doesn't sing like he used to sing, okay? <laughs> and, and we may see some athlete and think, you know, I, you know, I remember him when he was in his prime. But post-prime, you know, his career is over. Yeah. Well, well God does not, God's not like that. It's not like to say, well, I wish I was on earth when Jesus was here because I was seeing him at his best. He is still the best. He's always been the best. He has never changed. The same yesterday, today, and forever is how Hebrews describe him. And so that idea really helps us to understand that the God you pray to, the God you read about, the God you follow is the same as Noah, Abraham, the apostle Paul. He has not changed at all. And that is just remarkable in our thinking about these things. It is. It
0: is. The more we think about this, the more it stretches our minds. Well, this is Wednesday, so let's talk about what's going on tonight. Yes. In our Building Blocks track of studies, I am teaching a class just exploring who is the holy spirit. We've talked about the the spirit as a being, we've talked about the spirit's work in and around the the time that Jesus was walking the earth. Lord willing this evening we're going to talk about the spirit, the bible and you and we're really looking at this from the standpoint of what God has done to build a relationship with us. You're going to be teaching in the Auditorium. Yes, we're doing our series on expectations,
1: what does God expect of us, and tonight we're going to talk about mixed-up expectations. We're going to take a little journey through the life of Naaman the leper and someone who
0: was expecting something, but it didn't happen like he thought it would. All right. Lord willing, this Sunday at 9.30 a.m., I've got the opportunity to preach again, and I'm looking forward to talking about boasting in the best. Bringing the best is our theme, of course, and in this first quarter of the year, our focal point is really all about the glory of the Lord. We're turning that precious diamond and looking at all sorts of different facets. We're going to talk about boasting, uh, how sometimes as human beings we get ourselves in trouble. We are told as Christians what and who to boast in. That is what I am looking forward to exploring right along with all of you this Sunday morning. Roger, it's been a good start to the week. I appreciate the opportunity to revisit some of these thoughts from Sunday with you. And we thank all of our listeners for joining us for this particular conversation. It would be great to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday. We say around here, for good reason, it is the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.